Eagles Entertainment. Everything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right of the day. And we've got some film to discuss as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy. And as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 507. At the top of today's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with my friend, Greg Cosell from NFL Films, to look back at what was a heartbreaking loss out in Seattle for the Philadelphia Eagles, a team that is now 10-4. and uh, How can the team stop? This losing streak, a three-game skid this week against the New York Giants on Christmas Day. We've got matchups on both sides of the football. We're going to look at look back to last week's film, look ahead to what could be on next week's film as well. Before we get started with Chalk Talk, as always, go over to Apple Podcasts, rate, review, subscribe, and that could be wherever you listen. Appreciate the support that everyone has shown us here on the podcast feed. That said, let's get into it. Excited to catch up with Greg. It's time now for Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, here to talk through week 15 in the NFL season. Cra- crazy to say we are in week 16 now, Greg Cosell, as uh, the 2023 season is getting closer and closer to sunset. Uh, we're going to talk through this Eagles team that and we'll start on the offensive side. The offense has not cracked 20 points in the last three games, Greg. Uh, this is a, a team that is struggling to put points on the board right now. Uh, turnovers, obviously a huge deal. It was a, a huge issue in, in Monday night's loss to Seattle. Two, t- two interceptions in the fourth quarter. Two of the final three drives ending with picks. Um, but this is an offense that's trying to, you know, it's, it's trying to find, get back into its way right now. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's funny. Because I think when you see some of the staple things that they do, you know, the RPOs, the zone reads, even the combinations of those two, they've been really efficient. But those plays have not generated a lot of yards, um, as evidenced by 17 completions for 143 yards. What what they've struggled to do, which they did extremely well last year, was generate explosive plays in the passing game within the structure of the offense. I mean, we've seen Jalen obviously make some great plays um, where he leaves the pocket and he's always capable of that. But, um, you know, so they've done a lot of their basic staple stuff, you know, really nicely. It just it hasn't generated explosive plays. Yeah, a lot in Monday's game, you know, a lot of the vertical stuff, anything with you know, the five and seven, five to seven step drop, uh, all all of the stuff that worked vertically down the field was just not effective for them in this game. I don't think he had a completion pass. What was it like 11 yards uh, in this one? I and, think his long completion was 18 yards and that was to Goddard. Um, right. And then I think there was a 17 yard, a 17 yard to Devante that was on the RPO, like corner out where he's rolling to his right. Yep. Yeah. By the way, on that play, I, I thought, and you remember the play, right? Yep. Uh, did you think that that play was designed to hit Brown in the flat? I thought so. Yeah. I thought that was like their typical, like RPO, yeah. like slide to the corner. Yeah. Cause it was third and three. And I right. figured, and, 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 uh, I, I don't think that they expected that Artie Burns, who was basically a line 10 yards off of, of, Devonta Smith, who was number two, um, I don't think they expected him to jump Brown. And right. then obviously Jalen had to improvise and he made the throw to Smith for 17 yards. Yep. But yeah, I thought that that was designed to get the ball, as we've seen probably a hundred times, to get the ball right in the flat to Brown and ideally get more than the three yards. But uh, the defense took it away. Yeah, they, they took it away on that one. They took away uh, earlier in the game as well. There's another one that they uh, they they sniffed out uh, from that concept. But what's what's ironic about it, and obviously, look, we're, we're, it was the first thing we talked about, and I think it's going to be the first thing a lot of people talk about this week is 
those two interceptions in the fourth quarter, you know, when you need it, uh, both of them happening on first and 10, uh, yeah. frustrating interceptions, uh, you know, certainly to go out on this football game. I think before that, I think when you look at overall the you know Jalen Hurts in this game, and there are, there are obviously throws that he's gonna want he's gonna want back. Uh, the third and seven in the drive was it was in between the two picks, right? Uh, you know there was one where you you would look at and say yeah. he probably left the pocket a little early. Um, but I think when you look at the first three quarters of this game, uh, I think that this was a, a guy who basically you know he was able to play in rhythm, uh, and certainly they were able to hit on the RPOs, they were able to hit on, on some of their screens, some of their core concepts. Uh, but even like you know there was like the uh, uh, the eleven yard completion of Dallas Goddard on the opening drive on third down where it's a straight drop back. He hits him on a ball route uh, over the middle of the field. A.J. Brown in the same drive. I think that one for, yeah. for eight yards on third down. Like you had some of those pure dropbacks in the quick game where he hits the top of his, top of his drop and the ball was out. I believe there was a... Um, a next gen stat that kind of supported that uh, in terms of uh, you know how fast he was able to get the ball out in this game, but I just think at the end of the day, uh, the the turnovers are what people are going to remember, and obviously it's what what Jalen's going to remember as well uh, from this one, and, and just you know they, they've got to find ways to be able to take better care of the football. Yeah, that and and as we mentioned a moment ago, the ability to generate some explosive plays in the past game. I think those two things really stand out when you look at this offense right now. And they know all this, you know, because obviously um, when when you when you only throw for 143 yards on 17 completions, you know you're not really getting the ball down the field. Um, so that's that's what they need to figure out how to do that within the structure of the pass game. Uh, and you know, turnovers are always turnovers. You can't. We know that you can't do that, and certainly not in the fourth quarter. Uh, this was the uh, the stat from uh, Next Gen Stats. This came out after the game on Monday night. Through the first three quarters of the game, Jalen Hurts averaged what would have been his quickest time to throw in a game in his entire career, two and a half seconds, 2.51 seconds. Right. In the fourth quarter, Hurts had an average time to throw at 4.28, and that's where, uh, you know, obviously the the, the two uh, big play, t- you know, interceptions down the field. You had a couple of those scrambles, one of them, uh, that that third and seven where he kind of rolled, you know, rolled to his right, then went back to his left. Yeah. That's going to throw those off, but uh, – those first three quarters, I thought the ball came out. It was crisp. Everything uh, looked pretty tight uh, in the, the, the buildup to that moment. But obviously things falling apart there uh, in the end. I'm thinking, Greg, we kind of go like drive by drive. We don't need to go like strictly blow for blow uh, here in this one. But I think it's kind of interesting to kind of note just the, how the, the flow of this game. Because uh, the Eagles came out and you had a, uh, you had a what was it, 12-play drive, a 15-play drive to start things off. Sucked a lot of time off the clock to go four for four yeah. on third down. You had good mixing of personnel groupings. You had, I think, five reps of 12 personnel. You had a pony snap, uh, pony snap uh, in there as well. You had completions to four different receivers, I believe, uh, a couple different guys carrying the football, and they're able to punch it in uh, on a touchdown on a little stick draw concept, or Jalen Hurts drops back, the stick route's not there, and he's able to take off there as a, as a part of the construct of the play. It was a really good opening script touchdown. Yeah, did you, and did you think on that draw that there was a, that there was a throw? I felt like that was a, a pass run option. Yes, I, that's that's kind of how I read it, just the, the way that I've seen that in the past. But um, yeah, I, I didn't you, think that but, was like a pure scramble situation. Right, but do you think that the pass was first? I do, yes. I, oh, I do, okay. yeah. I, I typically, yeah, I was trying to figure that out because, you know, we we all looked at it here and we eventually thought that um, that it was a, a called quarterback draw, but that the play call had a pass option if Hertz got a certain look. But no, I'm not saying it. right, uh, right, you know, that's what yeah, that's how, yeah, that's yeah. where it's, it gets cloudy on those kind of things. Yeah, no yeah, question. Yeah. No, but that was a great drive. I mean, he hit Goddard on the first third down. He hit Brown on another third down. Um, you know, uh, I mean, it's it was a kind of a comfortable, smooth drive. Yep. Um, 
But as you and I both know, what was that, 15 plays? That was 15-play drive, yep. Nine runs, six passes coming out. Yeah, it's hard to do that over and over and over again yep. in the NFL. You know, but but that was a sweet drive. I mean, everything about that drive was was really kind of nice, and it was comfortable. It was smooth. It looked relatively easy by NFL standards. Um, and then they couldn't quite, uh, you know, replicate that. They're, I mean, they're all, they had three scoring drives in the night. Uh, all three of them were 12 plus play drives. Uh, yeah. That was just the kind of night it was. And uh, yeah. uh, you talked earlier about just their inability to create those, those explosives. Now, after that opening drive, they lived in 11 personnel. The only 12 personnel, 21 personnel, the yeah. only other personnel sets out after that first drive came on the brotherly shoves. Uh, everything else was pure 11 personnel, three receivers, one back, one tight yeah. end on the field. Um, you know, and again, we, we saw, I thought we saw the downhill run game uh, really come back into, uh, come back into the forefront. We saw that last week uh, in the, uh, in the loss at Dallas, but I thought that really showed up in this one, a variety of different runs as well. Some different inside zone concepts, as well as uh, they, they typically have not run this, Greg, um, that little lead play with the tight end inserting uh, in, into the, the B gap there. I thought that was a, a nice little wrinkle, something well, that we had not necessarily seen from them. Well, what I thought they did really well, and we've seen this before, um, the Seahawks played a ton of over fronts, and they've had great success running to the weakness of over fronts. Mm. They down block the one technique with the offensive guard, and they fold block Kelsey to the second level. I thought they did that numerous times and had really good success running the ball. I thought you mentioned the the um, uh, the rhythmic nature of the pass game. I thought they had good success working short and short to intermediate on third down and the fourth on four in the second quarter um, versus the Seahawks, you know, heavy zone coverage. Um, receivers settled into voids. Hurts, for the most part, put the ball right on them. I mean, you know, there was a, there was a smoothness to a lot of what they were doing. They just weren't creating big plays. Yeah. Uh, they, you mentioned that RPO that they ran. I mean, they ran that – had to be five or six times in the game, right? Where you had Dallas Goddard, or was, at times it was Jack Stoll. They ran that little arrow route from the from an inline position, where yeah, it was like yeah, a quick yeah. little slant route. Uh, they never threw it. It was a run every single time on those plays. Uh, but it would you that, those were the ones where you saw Jason Kelsey kind of fold up uh, into the B gap, and you had uh, you know DeAndre Swift uh, running. And they, I mean, they were getting like a seven yeah, they, to seven eight yards a pop on that carry. Yeah, no, they do that a lot. They did that. Uh, you know, it really works well against over fronts because you get the down block by the guard on the one technique and then Kelsey just folds around and he's right up to the second level. Yep. Uh, so the the offense, uh, they're able to get a field goal uh, after things stifled in the red zone on their third drive. Then you get a four and out and a three and out to end the half. So they go into the locker room, they come out. And again, they they come out in their first drive of the third quarter. They're able to get a touchdown. It's a it's a nice nice uh, methodical drive. Uh, this one, I believe, a twelve play drive. A few rhythm completions from Jalen Hurts in this one as well. Pure dropbacks and and getting the ball out, spreading it around, and they're able to punch it in. Those are their last points uh, of the night because after that, you had the three and out, then you had the pick. Yeah. A punt and then a pick, um, you know, and again, I think with those interceptions, uh, I think you'd like Quez Watkins to be able to try and, uh, you know, do something to kind of impact the catch point uh, on that deep post. Yeah, there was a little bit, uh, you know, out in front, uh, not exactly where you would want it to be, but you'd like Quez to be able to go up and try and impact that. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, you had the interception there late in the fourth quarter as well. Um, you know, it was a, it's tough to, to be able to come away when you have two red zone or two turnovers in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, that was another play I watched over and over again because, you know, um, obviously it was a post-dig combination and Smith was wide open on the dig. So, you know, again, um, you know, I, I I always wonder what's in a quarterback's head on those kinds of plays, yeah. you know. 
because he saw Love was initially aligned low, and I'm sure sure that Jalen saw that, and he figured that Watkins could run by him and get over the top, but Love actually did a great job. Hell of a play by Love, no question. Did a great job. Yeah. Um, All right, well, let's go over to uh, the other side defensively. And a lot to talk about here, uh, just because obviously the Eagles uh, making news over the weekend. Matt Patricia uh, is now the the defensive play caller. Um, Sean Desai, uh, with no update from the team at this point, still the defensive coordinator by title. Matt Patricia, though, uh, right. is handling the play calling at this point. Um, any any big takeaways from you, I guess, just to kind of start uh, walking away from watching the defense? Yeah, two things, big nickel and dime. Yeah. Now, those two things really, really stood out to me. Big nickel was basically their foundational base defense and dime with three corners and three safeties. Yep. So, you know, they, they played Bayard essentially as, as a linebacker uh, for the most part who, um, you know, would match up to the tight end, obviously when they played man. Um, but um, you know, and, and Leonard played in the, in the, in the four, two big nickel on the base five, two, but he did not play in dime. Yeah, and then they they played a lot of that the penny as well in terms of the variations of those nickel packages where instead of it being four two five so four D linemen two linebackers and five DBs uh, where yeah. it was five defensive linemen one linebacker who was typically Morrow uh, and those five DBs the big nickel player in the slot uh, was always Sidney Brown um, the rotations yeah. at corner uh, I think that's notable as well yes. so uh, you know Darius Slay big play big play Slay he's out uh, after getting a procedure on his knee uh, done on his knee reportedly um, so no Slay here in this one so what we saw was a pretty steady rotation it ended up being relatively a 50 50 split uh between keely ringo and eli ricks uh any takeaways from those two guys i thought both guys showed pretty well yeah and ricks played the last two series so i don't know if they thought he was the better player or whether it was just the way the rotation the rotation went, yeah yeah, I don't know that, you know, but I, I so I went back just to because I knew we would talk about it. I went back and just kind of charted like what the rotation was. And basically what we saw was Ringo came out, obviously got the start. Uh, and then what we saw from that was uh, Ricks came out and played the second series. Then Ringo got the next two. So he played series three and four. Then right. they went back to Ricks for five. Then they went back to Ringo for six and seven. And then they went back to Ricks for eight and nine. So it was like a, uh, yeah, it so ended up being just a, the way it played out. Yeah. I think that's yeah. just kind of how it played out. Yeah. Uh, Ringo ended up getting 32 snaps. Ricks ended up getting 29. It was, it ended up being a, yeah. a near 50, 50 split. Um, Joe, we saw Josh Joe out there as well. He spelled Bradbury at times, um, but it was, it was two snaps. Uh, but I think the notable thing here is that we, when we have seen Eli Ricks in the past, is so far this season has been primarily on the inside in the nickel. Right. And now, so we, now we got a chance to see, I would say his more natural position on the outside. Oh, for sure. He's not a yeah. slot corner. Right. Um, the other thing that stood out to me was on all 10 plays of the Seahawks winning drive, the Eagles rushed four D linemen. Yep. And they played predominantly man coverage. Yes. Um, yeah. So, I mean, th- those two things stood out. So, uh, and, and rushing their 4D linemen, they couldn't generate any pressure on lock. So, which has been kind of, unfortunately, a microcosm of the last five or six games. Yeah, I mean, that, that's been an issue. It's been the, the, the lack of consistent pass rush. Uh, you know, they were able to get home. They got they got a couple third down sacks in this one. I, I know that's something you talked about. Uh, it's just their inability to be able to pressure the quarterback on third down as being a, a key issue. Uh, the third down numbers were slightly better uh, in this game, still not where you want. And the fact that they still were able to convert Seattle four times on third and 10. And that was the back yeah. break. It was like, you know, they I think they converted six times on the night. But with four of them being third and ten, including two on that final touchdown drive, yeah, like, those are just back-breaking plays. They're just tough to to recover from. Yeah, no, no question. I mean, the Metcalf thirty-four yarder came on third and ten, and obviously yep. the Jigba 
winning touchdown came on third and 10. And, you know, th- those are, those are tough. I mean, you know, you, <laughs> I mean, that's why they lost. Right. Obviously Smith and Jigba play, you know, it was particularly interesting. I'm sure you found it interesting as well because the way they played it, they essentially put Bradbury zero man on Smith and Jigba the way they chose to play it. Yep. Yeah. And and we talked last week, uh, Smith and Jigba uh, was their uh, their go-to guy on third down o- over the course of this season, even though he missed a chunk early on in the year, he has been their go-to guy on third down. They did run, I believe, a one or two snaps of like a one double. And typically when they did, it was on third down and it was against Smith and Jigba when he was in the slot. Uh, but on that one, he was lined up outside, as you mentioned, uh, and he was one-on-one with Bradbury and the rookie was able to win over the top. Now, the defense came out had to feel pretty good in the first half. You had three punts and a field goal uh, yeah. to start this game off. But coming out of the locker room, uh, the uh, the Seahawks established the run. They said, you know what, we're going we're gonna to really try and see and put this to the test here. Uh, they run for 43 yards. The Eagles missed a handful of tackles. You had a bad misfit. You had outnumbered boxes. Um, you know, I think the one thing that stood out to me as well in this Greg, in this game, Greg, uh, talking about the, the switch over to Patricia as the play caller, um, you know, we saw some uh, different rotations up front, and we saw, like, Patrick Johnson play these decent- I saw no yeah, 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 yeah. And what, what well. I thought, found noticeable was that inside all of these different personnel groupings, and we talked already about, well, you know, we saw some big nickel, we saw some big penny, we saw some regular nickel, uh, we saw some dime, we saw some base. We saw a lot of front multiplicity from inside of those groupings. So sometimes they'd come out in a 4-2 big nickel, and it would be a four-down, two-linebacker two, two set. But sometimes you would have Patrick Johnson, and he would be a fifth guy in the line of scrimmage, and sometimes he would be a stacked backer. And those are some of those things that we we have talked about in the past as being like, that's a, a Belichick thing, right? Well, that That's like, uh, you know, hey, we, it's almost like the uh, the defensive version of what we've said with like the San right. Francisco 49ers. Hey, you know what? We're going to have the same guys out there, but present different looks. And now you're not static as a defense, but they, they kind of got caught a couple of times in this game. And I guess that's to, you know, to be, uh, uh, to be expected when, you know, you're kind of trying to work through new, new things here uh, under a new play caller. Yeah. And I think you nailed it. I mean, that's sort of the Belichick approach is front multiplicity and coverage consistency. And I think that's why you saw a lot of man coverage, a lot of man. Yep. you know, and I think that's ideally what Matt, Patricia would like to do the question is can the secondary handle the man depending on who they're playing I mean you know we'll get to the Giants in a moment they may be playing teams now where that's not as big a deal as as teams they've already played I will say I I was I I was I think a positive thing to take away from this was Keely Ringo and I went back uh, again before we recorded I was like all right let me just watch through all of his coverage snaps just to like you know get get eyes on that before I, I thought he had a good game. Uh, the, the, you know, I think overall, and he came down, he had a couple physical reps against the run. We have yep. seen very little of Keely Ringo on defense so far this season. And it's been, uh, obviously, look, he had to, he took his lumps uh, last week against Dallas. But uh, here in this one, I, I thought he came ready to play. So I, I thought that was a really good sign uh, in terms of what, what they've got there in the fourth round pick. Well, it'll be interesting to see what the rotation uh, is this week because, uh, you yeah. know, Slack won't go this week either, obviously. Right. So um, uh, it'll be interesting. Yeah, a different kind of matchup for sure. One other rookie I wanted to make sure we we spotlighted here. Uh, there was a series in the third quarter, I believe. No, it was, it was actually it was in the fourth quarter. Um, where the, the the defense had a bunch of missed tackles early on, uh, so Seattle's able to drive the football. They get into the red zone. Jalen Carter gets a TFL or sets up a TFL uh, early on, where he just bench pressed the guard, uh, impacts the run play, and creates and then, a, a minus four TFL. Yeah, and, and then, then he, he gets he, the sack. Just, plays then later. he just clubbed Bradford out of the way and got the sack. Yep. 
The, the Eagles beat up on Bradford, the right guard, uh, throughout yeah. the night. Fletcher Cox was able to get his they there. Did, they did. Bradford uh, had a tough game. Yeah. yeah. And Fletcher Cox, he seems to play well. I thought Jordan Davis played well uh, here in this one. Most of these reps, though, coming against the run, they just have not been able to generate that consistent no, that, rush. that's been the issue. Davis, to me, plays well against the run every single week. Yeah. I think he's been, for the most part, given the number of snaps he plays, he's been pretty much a dominant run defender. Right. Um uh, he did have early in the game, as I recall, it might have been the first or second play, a strong power rush. But he, but overall, he's not really a pass rusher yet. Yeah, not yet. No, right. And we, we've seen flashes of it throughout yeah. the course uh, of yes. the season. Let's go now uh, to the New York Giants, the Eagles' opponent here uh, in Week 16 uh, on Christmas Day, on Monday afternoon. Greg, uh, the Giants look. They, they've obviously they've they've had a tumultuous season. Uh, high hopes coming into the year after making the playoffs in the first year under this coaching staff. Uh, a bunch of new contracts handed out to some of their players on offense. Daniel Jones uh, inconsistent, then gets hurt twice and ends up on injured reserve. Uh, that kind of derails things for them a little bit yep. here. But they got a little bit of a spark uh, with Tommy DeVito, the undrafted free agent from Syracuse. I want to get your uh, your thoughts overall. What you've seen from Tommy DeVito? It's been a handful of games so far now. You know, I got to tell you, I, I mean, I, I don't think they've asked him to do a ton, by the way. Of course. I mean, yep. just in turn, which is obviously smart coaching, as we know. Um, but for the most part, I think he's handled himself pretty well. Um, you know, it's a team that plays a lot, a lot out of 11 personnel. Um, and yep. even even getting, um, you know, Waller back. I mean, they they played this week. They played a ton out of 11 personnel. Um, so, uh you know, I, I would say that he's been efficient, might be a little too strong, but he has executed what he's been asked to execute. Um, the, every once in a while, they dial up a play where it has, you know, downfield, intermediate and vertical elements to it. And he's converted some of those. He's made throws. Um, yep. He's also I didn't know that I didn't do him coming out of college. I don't Neither know. Did I. Did. Um, I did not realize that he could move as well as he does. He's been very very good uh as a scrambler as a in the design quarterback run game he's been able to create first downs doing that um he's not turned the ball over so even though they don't ask him to throw a lot or to push it down the field his attempts to completion numbers have been very very good um Mm. this this week he was not quite as good um you know obviously the game got away from them it didn't it, it did in the third quarter it was close at halftime and the third quarter the uh, saints started to pull away uh but i would say that given what they're asking him to do fran i would say he's executed at at a pretty good level yeah, I mean, uh, you mentioned the game kind of getting away from it. It does not help when your average distance to go on third down is yes. a 10.7, uh, which yeah, was the average against help. the Saints. That is, that is a tough way to live offensively. Yeah, I, look, they definitely have to play a certain way, uh, like you mentioned. And I think that you know, I certainly don't blame them for playing it the way that they're playing right now. I mean, it's no, a, it's a heavy to. screens. Empty play RPO. action, RPO, gadget plays, trick plays. We're seeing like double plat passes and free flea flickers and uh wildcat direct snaps to to Saquon Barkley. Like they are saying, like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna throw everything at a wall, uh, try and pick up some cheapies whenever we can, and then we're gonna throw I think the really the, the primary like drop back concept that they've given him so far, they've run a variety of three-level stretches. And it's all right, we're gonna yep. go either uh whether it's sail routes with everybody on one side, or if it's like a flood where the, the intermediate route comes from the other side we saw that big completion uh to uh to the rookie Jalen Hyatt a couple weeks ago uh they ran it a bunch against uh yep. Green Bay as well and look basically the way that he's reading this out the way it looks like he's reading it out I'm going to read that intermediate route 
If not, I'm hitting the check down. If that one read, if that, if that one read does not work out, if those two receivers are covered, I'm taking off and I'm going. And you talked about that last year. That's kind of how they were coaching Daniel Jones. Was hey, you know yeah. what? Like yeah, you, you, the top of a drop. We're gonna we're gonna just let let you cut it loose. It, it becomes that that quarterback run game becomes a legitimate part of the offense. And it was able to. It was a big reason why they were able to upset Green Bay on no, Monday Night Football two weeks ago. It wouldn't surprise me if that's the, the approach they're taking with Devito. You know, yeah. let's call our play. Take a peek at the primary. If you feel really comfortable, hey, fine. Then then maybe go to your secondary. But if it just if the picture's a little muddied, just take off. Yep. Because the last thing we want is a sack or you to make a forced throw. You yeah. know, that's what you don't want. And the other, the other thing, you mentioned the kinds of things they're doing. The other thing that to me stands out is their use of Wandale Robinson. He's mm. he's becoming a bigger part of the offense. He's one of those movable chess piece guys who aligns all over the formation, including in the backfield. I mean, we saw him a week ago um have a 32-yard run on a misdirection concept when he was lined up, you know, offset in the backfield. You know, you talked about you know, I don't think they would view it as a gimmick or a gadget. We've seen a lot of teams do those kinds. Sure. of things with those kinds of players i mean you know when the when the lions do it with amon ross st brown we don't call it a gimmick you know it's kind of part of what they do i think the giants are starting to do that with robinson and i think it makes good sense yeah it's one of those things where like as as a defense it's not something you see uh on, on a weekly basis and so that's just something extra uh that you either a have to prepare I mean, for or if you haven't prepared for it you're gonna get burned by it more how likely. many times do we see a receiver you know, line up in the backfield like that, and you see three guys on the defense all pointing, you know, yep. because now all of a sudden there's an adjustment that has to be made, and, you know, guys have to kind of get that together. So that's another reason they do it. But um, but you're 100% right. You know, you see a lot of RPOs. Um, he runs. Um, you see, you know, basic concepts, which there, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. That's the right thing to do with a young quarterback, you yeah. know. And obviously um, they want to be in games, which they've, you know, for the most part been in games yep. um, with him and that allows them to stay playing that way um and the other thing they don't want which happened early when he first started playing and i think that's one reason why i agree with you that they're telling him to run if he doesn't see it is he was getting sacked way too much they're, they've given up a lot of sacks this year uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. by far the most in the nfl from a percentage of dropback standpoint right and, and and they don't want that so they don't want him you know, standing back there trying to figure it out, even if even if he can do it, we don't know whether he can or can't. But even yeah. if he can, they don't want that because they don't want those negative plays. And their old line, you know, is not very good. I mean, they're playing, I think, five of the last six games. Phillips has started at right tackle. He's yeah. not a right tackle. I mean, he's played in this league as a guard and done okay, but he's not a right tackle. And it just he struggles. So they signed Justin Pugh off the street, uh, and yeah, he, so he struggled uh, mightily against the Saints. On yeah, Sunday. so they they just don't want those negative plays. They can live with well, every offense can. This is not a profound statement, but they can live even with third and seven or third and eight. But they don't want third and fifteen. Yep. Uh, and what's uh, also interesting, we talked about like what the identity of this offense is right now. Um, you know, I think when you look at this receiving core, these guys all are kind of siloed. It's probably too strong of a word, but they all have their roles, right? Like, yes, they have yes. like they have like the all right, Darius Slayton designed vertical go ball, like slot fades like that. That's what you're seeing from Slayton, uh, you know, the, the, with Jalen Hyatt. Uh, mostly it's going to be linear route planes like deep overs, vertical routes. Wondell Robinson, you talked about his role. Isaiah Hodgins, very much like last year. He's their big body possession guy. So little choice routes from the slot. Right. 
corner routes, slant routes, and that's kind of how they use Darren Waller as well. We saw more of that from him uh, this week, fresh off, fresh off inst- uh, injured reserve. So, you know, with all these pass catchers, they've got their roles, they've got their niches, and, uh, you know, they just asked DeVito to kind of uh, spread the ball around from that standpoint. I do want to ask you about Saquon Barkley. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, one, one of the better running backs in the NFL from a talent standpoint. Tough sledding uh, for most of this season for a, a lot of reasons, as we've talked about. Um, but what are your thoughts on, on Saquon and what you've seen from him on film, just from a like an individual standpoint? I think Barkley's a big play explosive back. I don't think he's a sustainer. Um, I don't think he's the kind of back that when it's blocked for two gets five. I think that when, when there's a hole there, he can burst as well as anybody or better than anybody in the league. But... Um, I think that's one thing that hurts their offense is he's not a true sustainer. And I don't personally believe he's ever been that kind of back. Right. I think he's incredibly explosive. But, you know, you get a few, you maybe get a few of those in a game. But, uh, you know, I think that that, that's, to me, that's something that hurts their offense because he's not really that guy. Um, But, you know, we'll see. I mean, look, they're going to give him the ball. He had, uh, was it 20 carry? I forget yeah, yeah. what the numbers, you know, he's going to get touches. He's got, he has he, to in this offense, right? He's going to get touches. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. You mentioned the game, uh, where they beat green Bay, which I think was a really good template for, I think how they want to no play. Doubt. Yep. DeVito was not sacked. He did not commit a turnover. I mean, he made two big time throws in critical high leverage situations. The touchdown he threw in that game to Hodgins was, you know, if, if Patrick Mahomes made that throw, we'd be saying, oh my God, that's Patrick Mahomes. You know, that may have been his best throw of the season. You know, you know, you remember the play, right? Yep. Where he rolled out. It was, you know, great. Um, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, that's the kind of game they want it to be. No sacks. Don't commit a turnover. We can stay in the game. And, and be in the game in the fourth quarter and ideally win the game in the fourth quarter. And obviously, he made that big-time throw in the fourth quarter when he hit Robinson for 32 yards. Well, uh, we talked a little bit about this offensive line as well. You, know, you mentioned uh, Evan Neal. He's been injured. So Tyree yeah. Phillips, who actually the, the Giants signed off the Eagles practice squad after he spent uh, the last couple of years in New York. Uh, so Phillips was here in Philadelphia earlier this season, but he has been the starting right tackle for them. Let me yeah. ask you that because the guard play has been uh, they, they've struggled uh, inside yeah. the guard. But they've got a rookie center, uh, John Michael Schmitz. Greg, I, I think that he, he's actually done some good things uh, when I've watched them. I, I wanted to get you – has he kind of stood out to you one way or the other over the course of the year? You know, it's funny. I watched him coming out of college. Um, Minnesota, right? Yep, Minnesota, yep. I thought he was one of those guys that's going to be a solid pro, not a great pro. Like, I think he's kind of an interior, grinded out. You know, in some ways, he reminded me of a better uh, – the guy from Michigan, uh, uh, whose name I, I can't remember. Um, who who's with Seattle, who got drafted like in the fourth or fifth round. Oh, from this year, Oluwatimi. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I think they're both kind of like box guys. It, you know, they, they, to me, they don't have great movement skills, but they're physical, they're tough, they're competitive. I think you have to know what, what, what he is. And I think to me, that's what he is. And then Andrew Thomas, the left tackle, uh, has been very, very good, obviously, whenever healthy. Uh, I know he was dealing with an injury earlier this year, but he's in the lineup. So uh, a strong left tackle here for this offense. Let's get over to the other side where, uh, you know, I was interested to see, all right, what's the the next step of this defense uh, under Wink Martindale? Honestly, it's the same kind of template, right? It's a high-volume man coverage, 
high volume blitz. Uh, a little bit more base defense this year compared to last year. We saw a lot of sub package, a lot of nickel, a lot of dime, a lot of dollar from this defense a year ago. They're playing a little bit more uh, in their base personnel this year compared to last. But they have not played a snap at dime. You know, they haven't played much dime at all recently. I mean, no, you know, that's that's they, that, that was yeah. a, kind of a hallmark for them a year ago was how many DBs they played. But they certainly have gotten away from that here this year. Without question, they're basically a nickel defense now. Uh, um, they play, you know, base defense depending on what the offense puts out. But they're yeah. a nickel sub defense. They will play some snaps of big nickel versus twelve personnel. They'll play Belton, the the Iowa kid, as the third safety with Pinnock and McKinney. Um, yep. You know, we know that they do disguise and late rotation on third down to get to multiple pressure concepts and different zone coverage concepts. Simmons comes in as their third down linebacker along with third. Yep. Exactly. Um, uh, And, uh, you know, McFadden plays basically on first and second down. Um, You know, Martindale's always been able to dictate protections with his front alignments, then break them down with his pressure schemes. He's always been able to do that. Um, Another thing that he does really well, which you have to be aware of, and he's always done this, even going back to Baltimore, is he deploys safeties as edge blitzers. We've seen Pinnock and we've seen McKinney used as edge blitzers, and that can be a problem if you're not truly aware of it and how you want to handle that. Um, You know, the big one big issue they've had is their edge brushers have not really been a factor. I've been through Thibodeau all season long. He is not a strong primary pass rusher. A high percentage of his sacks come Sec- on secondary later in the down plays. He rarely controls the rush early in the down in his first two or three steps. And it really showed up this week against the Saints. They got literally no edge pressure at all. They're, they're last in sack rate in the NFL right now. They're 24th in pressure rate right now in the NFL. Uh, and the reason they're even 24th, I mean, Dexter Lawrence is just a monster uh, yeah. on the inside. And you don't typically get that kind of a presence from nose tackle. But that's what the, the Giants have in Lawrence. Uh, he, he is that defensive front right now. I think a guy who I thought this past week, and I think he's a good pro overall, but I thought he really stood out this week was Ashawn Robinson. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's been doing it for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I thought he really played well against the Saints, and he he just jumped out to me. Um, Okereke is just a good player. Um, I think yep. their linebackers are solid. I think they're good. I think Okereke and, and McFadden are really solid players. They use Simmons in multiple ways. Let's let's talk through Simmons a little bit, just because he'll sure. be, you know, just because you get into third down and you know some of these like high leverage situations. That'll be something I think uh, that he could pop for Eagles fans. He's a former top ten pick out of Clemson uh, with the Arizona Cardinals. They traded to him right at the uh, at the, uh, the the roster cut down uh, late in August or early first week of yeah. September, uh, and so he comes in and he has been like you said third down linebacker, kind of a joker player. He'll match up on running backs at times. Uh, they play so much man coverage. Yeah. He'll match him up on tight ends because of his length. Um, I know he has made some flash plays. He had a pick six that was set up by a uh, Dexter Lawrence pressure against Washington a few weeks back. But uh, when you look at Simmons, uh, is there anything else that he kind of brings? Obviously, as a blitzer, that's kind of where you know he can shine. Yeah, I mean, they use him as a pass rusher. They use him to drop into underneath zone coverage. As you said, he'll match up man-to-man on running backs and tight ends. I, I don't feel like when I watch their defense, though, that he's an impact player. Like, I, you know, again, I, I'm not there during the week. They're obviously using him in multiple ways. That's the way a lot of people spoke about him when he came out of Clemson because, you know, he's body beautiful. I mean, and he can run. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't feel like 
and, and he certainly wasn't in Arizona. And the Giants, I guess, this is the way they see him best right now. Yeah, he's so, a bit player, right? And so I guess yeah. that's where, where – look, if, they, if you knew this is what he was going to be, if this was the role he was going to be – He uh, would not have been a first-round pick. Not have been, he wouldn't have been yeah, much less a top-10 guy. Um, but, you know, you're not asking him to read things out in the run game. He's out there on passing downs, and that's uh, – and you know, hey – match you know run with this running back match with this tight end or you're blitzing uh you know i think that's a a good use of that player and you didn't trade much to go get him yeah and i think what we saw you know when you when you talk about coverages um you go back to the packers game they played uh a really high percentage of cover three in this game against the saints in the second half they really played a ton of single high safety cover one and cover three so i think martindale has become a little bit opponent specific in how he plays different coverages so i I, believe me i'm not smart enough to tell you how he's going to play against the eagles but i think that you know we'll see how he does i mean i think they've gained more confidence in deontay banks so i think he's a really good player um, you know, he predominantly played right corner this week and then Jackson played left corner. Uh, I don't know if they'll feel that there's a matchup situation against the Eagles, who obviously have better wideouts than the Saints because Olave did not play this week. Because um, they did they did match up Banks against uh, DK Metcalf in the Seattle they game. They matched him up on yes. um, uh, on uh, Garrett Wilson in the Jets game. I mean, we, we, in they, certain situations, they've done up. Yes. Yep. So the question is, do they see that, you know, him matching up to A.J. Brown, because Banks has pretty good size. He's not right. a small corner. So you could well see that this week. Um, but uh, it's not, it's still not, you know, it's still not an easy defense to play against. You know, their issue is somewhat similar to the Eagles. They can't rush the quarterback without pressure. The difference is, is that, you know, Martindale will pressure. We don't know what Matt Patricia is going to do as we keep going forward. He had that beautiful pressure um, in the red zone, I think, on the first or second series where it forced Locke into throwing, you know, a three-yard completion to um, to Smith and Jigba. Yeah, I think they went zero on that play, if memory serves me correctly. Yeah. Um, you know, and that was that's a good call, you know, because Locke is going to get rid of the ball. He's either going to get sacked or he's going to get rid of the ball. He's yep. not going to wait and try to read it out, you know, versus zero. So, yep. you know, we'll see if Matt Patricia blitzes more. But we know Martindale's going to blitz. Yeah, uh, I think there's uh, there's not much mystery uh, there with that one. Look, the, I think that this Eagles offense last year against this defense, uh, they played them tw- three times uh, down the stretch in the second half of the season and then once in the playoffs. Uh, and I thought Jalen Hurts, he played he played twice against the team, if I remember right, and played well in those two. As you know, it was all three games. He played yeah. the, the, uh, the Week they didn't 18 game really have game a big well. problem with the defense in those games. No, uh, you know, they, they ran the ball extremely yeah. well in the playoff game, and Jalen Hurts uh, played really, really well in the first matchup. That yeah. was, uh, remember, we remember the uh, the fourth down, like, slot fade touchdown against the Blitz for De- uh, uh, Devontae Smith. I'm going to be yeah. breaking that play down on Eagles game plan this week. Uh, I, this is a, you know, this is a game that where the Eagles can certainly try and take advantage of some of these matchups because there's not a lot of like mystery in terms of what the identity is, but I mean, it's, it's still tough to prepare for because you're dealing with uh, a high yeah. pressure situation and a high right. pressure defense. So um, we'll no, it'll be a, if I want to break down. No, it'll be uh Look, the Eagles are obviously, they've lost three in a row. You've got to win a game here. It doesn't matter how you win. I mean, right now you'll win 10, seven. It's a win, but yeah, uh, uh, you know, we're all expecting that their offense at some point will get back to what it it, it was prior to this. And maybe this is the week. Um, but, uh, but, you know, just from a, you hit it right on the head. If you're not prepared for what Martindale brings to the table, that he can create negative plays. Yep. No question. Well, uh, Greg, we'll be back uh, again next uh, Tuesday next night. Tuesday. We'll be getting feeds next Wednesday morning uh, here, breaking down Eagles giants. Thanks so much for joining us once again here for chalk talk. And we will talk to you next week. Thanks, Fran.
Great stuff there from Greg. Thanks to him and thanks to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our X's and O's content here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you later this week.